hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. This week, uh, we are doing a very modern film. Uh, last week, we had a pretty classic movie from 1971. This one is 2022's X. Rated R. By Ty West, <laughs> written and directed. <laughs> Maybe that, was a, that, that was a really funny. That was a really funny pause. <laughs> X rated R. <laughs> Remember when trailers were like that? <laughs> a couple weeks ago, we did a film that you insisted was a porn movie. This movie is a movie about the making of a porn movie that goes awry in what many would consider the golden age of pornography in the U.S. <laughs> That actually sounds really silly to say it out loud, but it's true. In the 1970s, and uh, this is by Ty West, and I am a big fan of Ty West. I believe we've done the Innkeepers on here, have yeah, we Yeah, we have, but didn't he also do um, House of the Devil? House and of you the didn't Devil, like, yeah. But you didn't like that one. No, remember, um, I didn't initially like it, and then when, we, when I rewatched it again for the podcast... I realized it was actually quite good, and it was right up my alley, and so okay. I did come around to it, and I, I listened again to that episode recently just to kind of warm myself up, because I also wasn't sure if I had revised my opinion on House of the Devil, but I'm here to set the record straight, and episode number, I don't know, 250-something, <laughs> yeah. bear me out, that, that I, I, I turned out I, I actually appreciated House of the Devil a lot, because it had that 70s vibe, uh-huh. I think I was a little more in the mood for it then, I still maintained it was a slow movie, huh. you kind of had to be in the mood for it, but a lot of 70s horror films were like that, they were very, it was kind of a time of the film auteur, and I feel like this movie is a bit of a throwback to it. Now, you sent me uh, a screenshot of something that I sent you a year ago when yeah. this movie came out. This movie came out in 2022, March-ish. And uh, it was uh, basically like a new 1970s style slasher movie from Ty West is being compared to Texas Chainsaw Massacre and is a throwback to that era. I think for sure the film captures that era, and I think there are beats in this movie and aspects of this movie that are clearly trying to cop the 70s film vibe. But it's not like House of the Devil. House of the Devil was trying to kind of be like a movie from the 70s. I feel like this movie had flashes of it, but this wasn't like trying to be a movie from the 70s. It was hearkening back to it. It obviously takes place in the 70s. It, it, It was a bit of a a nod to it, and definitely a nod to Texas Chainsaw Massacre and other films of its ilk. But it it also had some modern sensibilities in what I would say like the cinematography and the, the filmmaking style. Yeah, I, you're right in that it, it feels like a modern movie, but I just think that Ty West has a really strong sense of style. And that's not to say that his style is always the same. I think that he experiments with style, and that's what makes him so interesting. Mm -hmm. House of the Devil definitely felt mostly like you were watching a movie that was made in the 70s. This doesn't. It feels like you're watching a very well-made modern movie about that time, but also in doing that, he just wants to remind you every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. That we're in the 70s stylistically. So, like, the opening 
and I may get my terminology wrong because I don't know the technicalities of filmmaking, but the the opening shot is of, like, it It could be a shot out of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's just kind of a long shot of a farmhouse, you know, isolated in this rural environment. Um, and it looks like it's shot on 8mm. Am I, is that right? Like, the film strip that our parents... Yeah, like, well, our parents would shoot on 8mm. Uh, I think a lot of films... Like for cinema, were at least sixteen millimeter. There was okay. hardly anything shot on eight. So you're probably thinking more like sixteen, but yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But like it's like a, a square. Mm-hmm. It, it's framed like a square. Yeah, and and I thought the the initial image. I'm like, oh, it's it's old school. It's old fashioned. This is what we're getting. But then it zooms in, and you realize that it's not that film. He's just framed the shot from inside a barn. So those are the barn doors framing it that way. Yeah, but, it's a cool trick. It's really, really cool, and and he does that in other places too. Not well, I mean, he does do the framing thing again in other places, but he does other things that just kind of remind you this is seventies. This is a different time stylistically. Yeah, I just think it's so clever. I'm so excited to talk about this movie because I think it's mm. so good. I just think it's such a good movie. <laughs> it is. I, it it kind of hits on every level. And I just have to say, based on my experience so far, we've done two, what well, we we did House of the Devil, we did The Innkeepers, and I believe we also did The Sacrament. Am I right? I know I've at least seen The Sacrament. I uh, we covered it on our <laughs> podcast. Was it the one? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That what was the it? one. It's like, a, it's like a found footage film that's about sort of this weird Christian esque cult, uh, like in the Philippines, and uh, things kind of go horribly. Oh, wrong. oh, it's like a Jim Jones thing. Yeah. Right? Like, exactly. yeah, drinking the Kool Aid. I don't remember if we did it either. I've watched it several times. I didn't even remember that that was, I didn't remember that that was a Ty West film. Yeah, he's just brilliant. Honestly, brilliant. He's yeah, he's really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly don't have a bad thing to say about any of his films that I've seen so far, and, and he's done a little outside of horror. I haven't seen that stuff. He took a little break for a while and did some television stuff, or he did like some episodes of the Scream series and some other series. The Sacrament, didn't that come out of a segment in VHS, uh, VHS or something? Uh, I don't know about that. He at least did a segment uh, of one of the VHS ones. And we've talked about it before, that him and Adam Wingard seem to kind of like be of the same school in a way. And they're clearly friends. And, and they seem to help each other out and even act and, and write for each other in, in right. each other's movies. And and uh, and I am also a major fan of Adam Wingard. I've really come around on him. I kind of like Ty West better, but I, I don't know. I, I just like, I, I, I just loved every minute of this movie. I know, because it's so good. And not only, like, just watching it, if I knew nothing else about it, I would watch it and say, wow, that was great. Like, the cinematography is good. The acting is fantastic. Like, it's so good. It's so, so good. And compelling. Like, these people, this centers around a group of, I mean, let's just put it out there, pornographers. Like, the producer, I guess, the, the director, and the performers. And that, I think, just... I guess I, I shouldn't say for other people, but for me, you say that, and I think, oh, seedy. You know, like these are kind of seedy right. people. And 
the movie just totally flips that on its head, and that's the one yes. of the things that I love the most about it. These are oh my god, I might, I, I might cry about it. Uh, these are <laughs> these are uh, good, decent people. Yeah, and and just trying he, to make some money, <clears throat> right? You and know? you're interested in them, and you're. Oh my gosh, I was just captivated. I don't <laughs> I don't know where to start. <laughs> I mean, it's it was obvious and this is, you know, you can so take the easy route on this thing and you can really make this a sort of paint by numbers movie and follow a lot of tropes. These people go out onto a farm that they've rented to do a porn movie in the 70s, which, like I said, was sort of a heyday of porn, where probably anyone with some money and a 60-millimeter camera could go out, shoot people having sex, and have a fair chance at getting a decent enough distribution to make a lot of money out of it. And so, do I really want to go on record and say I'm kind of jealous that I wasn't born (laughs) in this time period? Just like I've, you know, like... When we talked earlier about about some of the horror movies that we do and about how the early 80s and mid-80s were a golden age for VHS, you know? Yes. And uh, exploitation films, horror films, like, you talk to producers at, of this era, and they're like, we could not put this stuff out fast enough. Right. That is how hungry the market was and how much money there was to be made in even direct. Oh, Yeah could sell because the rental market was booming and stuff you could put out that would be sellable on VHS you would make money from. And so I feel like in a similar way, this was a similar age for pornography. And you could take the easy way out and be like, oh, these are like dirty, seedy people who are taking advantage of women, who are cajoling them into doing things that they're not particularly comfortable with. But some of them are drug addicts and they need money or some of them are whatever, you know, like yeah. you could go all these sort of stereotypical ways, but like you just said, that is not what this is at all. No, This is a bunch of normal, fine, fun people who are just happy and free, who are going to go out and make a movie. And the dude financing it is not this like hair slicked back, you know, New York mafia connected dick. No, he's a little slick, but he's a nice guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, he comes across as he's like this Texas boy with money kind of thing, but he's young, he's nice. He's understanding. He plays the role of a good producer who's just like uh-huh. I'm here to make everybody comfortable and have keep everybody happy so that we can make this movie and I'm going to like talk about how much money we're all going to make from this and this is the beginning of everyone's career and isn't this great. You don't feel like he's taking advantage of anybody and you don't also feel like anybody in this movie is doing it against their will. No. Everyone uh, is aspiring to greatness from the the writer and director to his girlfriend assistant to the few stars in this movie and him you just don't feel sorry for or bad about these people and it's a great way to kick things off yeah i mean it feels like an Fun. you 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 yeah well i mean you alluded to the nasty underbelly of the adult industry in which Historically, there has been, and surely yeah. even today there is, you know... Uh, it existed and probably still does. Like, let's, right. not, let's not paint over that. Let's definitely... Right, where, you know, people are taken advantage of and abused, and, and I'm sure that that ha- did happen in the industry. I'm sure it continues to happen in the industry, but this just is a different side of it that I'm sure also exists. And I... Right. <laughs> like, I just... I almost enjoyed hearing about it. There is a conversation in the middle of the movie 
<laughs> I am just going to insist that you play in full because I was so taken aback by it. And I said before, when we were talking about that porny lesbian vampire movie, I said, I support sex workers. And I do. People who are in it, you know, of their own free will and, and who are comfortable with what they do, like, good for you, you know? Right. And and that's what this seems like. Anyway, but that's, it's almost beside the point, except for that it's not. That's why I was so into this movie was right. because of the characters. Now, it is you're a slasher movie. You are. And that's, you're absolutely right. It could have been so easy to make these seedy people and then we would relish seeing them In being them tortured and killed. Right. Isn't that generally the formula? Yes. Like we literally talked about, like last week, Clearly, the movie was setting up a bunch of horrible people that would we would take delight and glee in seeing die. Right. And we've said it. It may have been a while, but, you know, we've said it a bunch of times when we've watched slasher movies. It's just a bunch of assholes, you know, yeah. like, OK, so here's this group of assholes and they're going to go and get picked off. And that's fine. Yeah. That's fun. We have fun with that. But this mm-hmm. um, is totally different. It's just I think, God, there are so many things about this movie that would turn some people off um the fact that it's that pornography is a central part of the story which it is uh the fact that it is a slasher movie where people are violently killed yes that is true (laughs) i can understand why people would object on those levels but beyond that this is just a movie that everybody should see just because it's a really good movie like mm-hmm. I, I want rec- I want my mom to watch this. <laughs> like, mom, mom, mom. It's a really good movie. I know, I know. I it's, know they're porn actors. It. I know it's a slasher. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a it's a really good movie. Yeah, I mean, you already set it up. I mean, this is exactly what it is. Uh, this this group of folks. Well, I guess there's it. There's a bookend. It opens yeah. on the shot of this country house, and it looks like it's the old film, but it's not. And you see what appears to be the local sheriff walking by a body. It's covered with something, mm-hmm. but what is obviously a body in a huge pile of blood and um, blood and carnage just everywhere leading all the way up to the front door. And you see, again, they're covered, but more bodies inside, like, it's a uh, this terrible scene, and then scene of a crime. Yeah, yeah. The deputy. I, I mean, it feels very much like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's how Texas Chainsaw Massacre opens, right? Mm-hmm. Like the reporters going through the house and stuff. Feels very much like that. Uh, the deputy is like, "Hey, sheriff, you need to come see this," and he leads him down to the basement, and whatever he sees is shocking to him, but we don't see it. Yeah, so annoying. And then right, I know. And then we cut to uh, twenty-four hours earlier in a different place, and the main character, Maxine, is sitting backstage somewhere in front of you know a lit mirror. Yeah, like a dressing room. Like a dressing mm-hmm. room, and and she she snorts a line of coke. She looks. I mean, she's got got the Farrah Fawcett hair and um, pretty heavy makeup, scantily dressed. So you get a sense of you know. <laughs> where we are and uh her boyfriend who it also turns out is this producer comes in and talks to her and says she looks herself in the mirror and says you're a f-ing sex symbol and she does this several times yeah i could talk for the next hour about mia goth <laughs> this girl 
came out of nowhere for me and has blown me away. Now, mm. um, spoiler alert, we're doing this movie because I desperately, desperately wanted to do it, and also because I've already seen the prequel, and we're going to be doing that too. Yeah. Mia Goth is amazing. I don't know a whole lot about her, but I, I feel like she is a real up-and-coming star, and as great as she is in this movie, Todd, just f***ing wait. Just <laughs> wait. Wait till Pearl, huh? Mm-hmm. It, uh, she's so good. But everybody in this movie is good. So it's her. She's Maxine. And then her boyfriend, Wayne, is played by Wayne. a guy named Martin Henderson. He's been in a bunch of stuff. And then the other actress is Bobby Lynn, played by Brittany Snow. I really am a big fan of Brittany Snow. I've never seen her in anything that I didn't enjoy her in. She started out in TV sh- in this show that was like about 1950s Americana because she is uh, just the picture-perfect American girl. Blonde hair, blue eyes, beautiful. As it turns out, also a really good actress. She was in the Pitch Perfect movies. Mm-hmm. Thought she was great in those movies. And then there's RJ, who is the cameraman. He's played by a guy named Owen Campbell. His shy girlfriend, who's also the boom operator. <laughs> right. Lorraine, played by Jenna Art- Ortega, who is like the it girl of the moment right now. Right, she is yeah. all over the place. Um, this is just, I think, just before she broke out into huge stardom and now you know she's a a huge star and then the actor in their film to be uh is jackson played by kid cuddy who's a rapper i don't know anything about his music but he's very handsome and he does a really good job in this movie uh yeah as far as acting is concerned and they are going off as you said to this farm where they've rented like a guest house, I guess. Like a guest house back in the fields behind the farmhouse. Right. And they're going to film a movie called The Farmer's Daughters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're super excited about it. And and the movie, it really does. Like, you don't even need to be told. You don't even need... I mean, if you're at all familiar with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it almost beat for beat in the beginning is kind of like kind of similar... They go off to a gas station and they go inside and they pick up things and there's a woman there and they there's a TV playing that there were there's this preacher still on TV sort of going on and on about sin and about sex and porn. Yeah, I mean, it's that bit's a bit on the nose. And then they move past an accident with a cow in the road where there's this cow that's just been completely hit by a, a truck and it's 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 pretty gross. All these sort of portend what might what will be coming, but then they pull up this huge farmhouse, and uh, Wayne goes up and knocks on the door, and instantly is met by this older guy who it takes a while for us to see his face. In fact, it's almost not toward until toward about the end of the movie that we actually get a clear look at this guy's face. Um, he's kept fairly mysterious, but he's this old, very slow-moving guy with a giant rifle. Are you from the county? This is private property. Didn't you see the signs down at the end of the drive? Oh, easy, partner. <laughs> You're trespassing. The law says I can shoot. Sir, I ain't from the county. I'm from Houston. Yo, we spoke on Tuesday. You remember? About y'all's boarding house. Oh, that's right. 
You're looking for a place to stay. Well, you never can be too careful with strangers. But instantly, this man is sort of put off as a little weird and sinister because he moves slow, he kind of stops and coughs, and they say, are, are you okay? Are you all right? And then suddenly he'll just like jump up and be like, I'm fine, and keep moving along. And Ty West is intentional at not showing us his face. It's not yes. like... It, it's I mean, so it's, maddening. It's very, very <laughs> intentional that he's shot from mostly behind, behind or, or it cuts away. Right. Um, and, and you do eventually see more of his face. I guess you see most of it, but it's almost always in the dark. And even from the very, very beginning and then throughout, there's just something off. Like... Yeah. It feels a little sinister. Yeah, I remember the first time I watched it, both him and the old woman, because eventually he does. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember you. And he takes him down uh, to the cottage. But before they go down there, um, Maxine looks up and sees an old woman in watching them from the second story. And you don't see her much either, only from behind or like through the curtains from a distance. Um, eventually you do see more of her. And I remember the first time watching this, I was squinting my eyes like, what's going on with who are these people? Because right. something just, something doesn't look right. Now, what were you, I mean, were you... Were you thinking that? Oh, of course. He's very much setting these people up to be sinister villains. And it's very intentional because the rug is pulled out from under us a little bit later on. It's it's a classic setup of these city slickers come into a countryside where they're a bit out of water and they don't really understand and know the culture or whatever. You know, they're in a place where they're more or less not welcome. I mean, even though he leads them down there and stuff... He has a very brief conversation with these folks and then immediately says, I don't like you guys. Right. And and my wife is around, so... Like, lay use, off her. Y- use your discretion. He, he basically tells them to be discreet. Mm-hmm. I, I think he has some sense that there's going to be some funny business going on. Now, but he doesn't I don't know. No, yeah. I don't know if he, I don't, I, I don't think he's like, oh my goodness, they're getting ready to shoot a porn here. No. I don't even know if he knows that that's necessarily even a thing. But no. here's a bunch of sexy people, you know, like right. scantily clad and what he knows there may be some funny. So he tells them to be discreet. Um, we know they're going to be making a dirty movie. Um, but from the very beginning, there's talk about it because Lorraine, uh, who uh, the producer guy always calls Church Mouse because she doesn't, <laughs> she's so quiet and she just kind of, you know, watches everything. Um, she's really skeptical about the film that her boyfriend is shooting, but her boyfriend says, it is possible to make a good dirty movie and that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And and you're right. Like this is kind of at the advent of erotica porn whatever has has been around forever, but this was really kind of the first time that it was easily accessible on home media. You know, like home media period was a brand new 
thing, really. And it was really not, yeah, it was just barely coming into the scene at this time. I mean, 1979 is when this takes place. It really wasn't until a few years later that right, right. rental stores were opening up and VCRs were more affordable. The whole Betamax and VHS thing was going back and forth. Uh, ultimately, these people are hoping you know, to print their movie and show it in theaters and get distribution and then go on and do more. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think one of them mentioned something about, I predict that, you know, people will be able to get it in their homes real soon. Uh-huh. And it's going to blow up. It's going to blow up. Like, actually, it's quite prescient in that. They're, they're on the right track, honestly. Well, right. And that's <laughs> you know? what I was going to say. Like, this guy is a filmmaker. And he says at some point, you got to start somewhere. And a lot of the people that we have talked about on this podcast... Started I mean, in this? Yeah, started or at some point dabbled in this industry because it was mm-hmm. work. You know, it was uh, camera work. It was getting your foot in the door. It was meeting people and, and mm-hmm. learning stuff. And, and there were people like RJ, this guy, who wanted to who really were filmmakers. Yes, non-simulated sex was part of the movies that they were making, but they were making movies. Uh, and I, it's not important to the plot necessarily, but I just appreciate, I don't know, it, it feels really character-driven. Yeah. Um, because at its core, it is a slasher movie, and we get there. that You know, these old people are crazy, and they are going to kill them. Yeah. But there's so much more to it. Like, that's, it seems like, okay, this is a slasher movie. So that's what you expect it to orbit around. And I guess in a way that it does. But that's the least of what I care about in this movie. Yeah. It's very surprising. I mean, some some of the things that happen in this movie will genuinely surprise you. I mean, I, I guess... Once again, I, it should be obvious, but like if you're interested in seeing this movie, like I, I think it's better if you go if you go and watch it and don't listen to what we have to say about it first because they're just little moments, not like major plot twists, but kind of some things that catch you off guard that are really clever and really smart and really kind of rip you a little bit emotionally in this film, and uh, and that's the genius behind it. I was looking for reasons. Because I'm so programmed, <laughs> you know, in slasher movies, to find reasons for people to get offed, to find the the bad in these people we know are going to get killed. Like, I was I was waiting to see what a sleazeball RJ and Wayne really were, right. you know, or how selfish they were or whatever, but it, it never happens. Like, you're like, no, these are like cool people. They don't deserve to die. And that alone is pretty unique for a slasher movie, honestly. Especially one that deals so openly with sex, where sex is the punishment, you know, for it. RJ is a guy kind of like me, like, you know, well, you gotta start somewhere, and uh, you really want to be a good filmmaker, and you're getting your foot in the door, and even though he knows he's making some porn movie, he's gonna try to make something real out of it, right? Mm -hmm. He's got his art, and and uh, Wayne, he's, you know, he's like, we're going to make a lot of money from this. It's going to be the start of everything. He's encouraging these other people. Like you said, Maxine is constantly looking in the mirror and telling, and encouraging herself. You can do this. You're a star. Bobby Lynn is kind of fu- more or less full of self-confidence already, right? Bobby Lynn likes 
her work. That's what yeah. I, I, I she's like. She's a stripper, right? Like, well, I mean, I think she's a stripper, but it's I, never explicit. But I don't get the sense that it seems that they were working in a strip club. That's where they came yeah. from. That's what it looks yeah. like. But it doesn't seem like this is Bobby Lynn's first go around. Right. She right. she knows what she's doing because they they do. I mean, as soon as they get like literally as soon as they get settled in, they film a sex scene and it's relatively mm-hmm. graphic as far as sex scenes are concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just and like it's obvious that they're shooting a porno. And there's there's one point the the RJ the the cameraman is directing them and he, like he tells them to change position and he's talking to them and stuff and Jackson eventually says, "Yo, dude, just sh- shoot it and stay in your lane." And yeah. Bo- Bobby Lynn starts laughing until she remembers that the camera's still on and then she goes right back into the porny moaning, moaning. Yeah. like she knows she knows <laughs> she knows exactly what she's doing so i don't get the mm-hmm. sense that this is her first time and i also get the sense that she enjoys her work and i she just be, like yeah. i love that about mm-hmm. her character she is she's a beautiful stunningly gorgeous woman who likes sex who is comfortable with the person that she is performing with it's her boyfriend um, mm-hmm. that she's performing with she straight up said, like, she can't wait to get started. Like, yeah. they find, they, when they arrive, they're like, we're here. And she's like, finally, I'm so horny. Like, she, yeah. she likes her work. And you just don't, I hope, I honest to God hope that the majority of the people who work in the sex industry enjoy their work. Um, and I believe that a lot of them do. Now, Brittany Snow, you know, these all of these people are legitimate actors. And yeah, it's kind of surprising. It, it is. Uh, I, I honestly think that because Brittany Snow was introduced to the world in such a saccharine way, I don't it was her show was called like American Dreams or something. Mm-hmm. And she was so the all-American girl. I think that she's kind of been trying to break free of that mold throughout her career. Mm. Um, but she was asked in an interview about filming these nude scenes in which she is very nude. Yeah. And it, it's pretty, you know, like it's of course all simulated, but it is graphic. Um, and she said, and this makes so much sense to me, and I love it. I think there was a lot of confidence in terms of our characters, and part of the nudity came from that confidence that our characters exuded. It almost felt necessary because not only were we filming a porn, but our characters would have been so comfortable with that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Snow said the film was an exercise in me feeling confident about my body. I was pretty proud of myself. Yes! (laughs) Yes! Be proud! That is fantastic! (laughs) I just love that attitude. Like, these people would have been comfortable. I need to exude that in my performance, and I'm proud of what I did. Good for you and all of them should be proud because this is a great movie (laughs) it's fantastic good characters great movie while they're banging maxine goes on a walk and she finds like a bit of a like a lake or a little more like a pond um and Mm -hmm. sits down on this dock and in the background immediately we start seeing this it's a figure. It's clearly not the man, and we figure it's probably the wife because we did see the wife peeking out at them in a sort of sinister way, you know, through the window as they pulled in. 
And this is where the filmmaking gets, the filmmaking itself of the movie gets a little 70s in style. Um, like you said, it's like, it's like he switches to it every now and then. Uh, there's one, one of the hallmarks of that 70s style, which we talked about many times on this podcast, but like, I mean, even two weeks ago, Vampiros Lesbos, like the zoom of the camera, this, the pull in, the pull out, that kind of thing. This happens. She's on the lake and suddenly the camera pulls out from her and zooms in and all that. And she goes swimming. She goes skinny dipping, which is a very, you know, it's a very slasher movie kind of thing to do. We're waiting for something bad to happen to her as soon as some, somebody goes skinny dipping. And, but they're just super great camera angles. And it, and Ty West, he sets up shots that have payoffs later. He has this shot. She, she strips down. And, of course, there's a POV of this mysterious figure in the woods kind of watching her strip down and jump in the lake. And then there's this extreme high angle view straight down on her with a huge expanse of the lake and the dock sort of just swimming out into the middle. And it's, it's gorgeous. It looks great. You know, and then it comes back to the shot again where she's just floating there, you know, in the water. At the same time, he does these really interesting flash cuts, which I've really only seen in sort of like grindhousey or artsy Uh type movies, right? Where it cuts to what's supposed to be the next scene, but then it cuts back to the previous scene, but then back to the previous scene, and then back to the next scene, and then back. Like this weird back and forth. It's very jarring. Yeah, I love that. Just stylistically, it's great. But then anyway, we kind of go back and forth between uh, Wayne and RJ and them, and then there's some flash cuts, and then she's back in the water, and we see there's a crocodile. And this is, I felt like, a a reminder that these people are not in their element. (laughs) You know, city people, and they don't know what they're getting into, didn't think to look for bad things in the water, didn't imagine there could be a cottonmouth snake swimming through here or a crocodile or whatever and uh yeah this crocodile uh is there that we see and then from that huge above shot we see her she hasn't seen the crocodile she's swimming toward the dock and this crocodile was just coming after her and it is so intense (laughs) it's so Mm -hmm. effective and of course she and so quiet like oh yeah I love it. Just understated. Like, you don't need to make this intense. You don't have to put Jaws-type music behind it. Right, right. It it speaks for itself. And just before the crocodile gets to her, you know, of course, she gets onto the dock, never sees it, uh, and walks away. Anyway, uh, but but she gets out, and she kind of puts her clothes back on, and and later on, that woman is back on the porch, but Maxine is out in the field, and she kind of sees her from a distance and waves at her, and this weird woman kind of beckons her. And this woman is weird. Like, she's old. Like, she is so old and decrepit-looking that she she can hardly move. She's so slow. And it took a while. I mean, obviously, when I'm watching this, I'm thinking, this is obviously a person, old person's makeup. It was not until almost the end of the movie that I realized that Mia Goth was playing this woman. I know. The fir- I was waiting. Like I was like, does he even know? <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I didn't either. I didn't. I was like, I felt the same way about Howard, her husband. I'm like, this has got to be old age makeup. It's just too. It's not exaggerated. exaggerated. It's not exaggerated yeah. to a point where I don't believe that it could be real. It's just 
they're really, really old. <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, people who don't take care of themselves, like your standard horror movie, this is where it's got strong Texas Chainsaw vibes. Like, I'm thinking of, you know, the whole family sitting around the table and that, right. especially that Grandpa, old person who doesn't yeah. talk with the kind of insanely old-looking makeup on them. Exactly. And, of course, this house that she's invited into, that she goes into, is, it's dirty, there's crap in the, there's dishes in the sink. It just seems like these people don't take great care, but they've been there a very, very long time, and this house has a history, and this couple has a history. You know, there are photos on the wall of them when they were younger, and this is the beginning of you kind of beginning to understand about these people. Like, this couple, by the end of the movie, they're not just crazy, loony, old people who are out to murder folks. They get some sympathy, they get some backstory, but not initially. Initially, he's setting these guys, these folks up to be sinister monsters. And so, it's a bit of a twist, I think, when later on we suddenly and almost startlingly realize, yes... They're doing bad things, but they're also, like, people with needs and wants. Well, they are, yeah, they, right, they they are, they're people, arguably crazy people. (laughs) No, for sure, not arguably, they're definitely crazy, like, nobody needs to do this, right, but, (laughs) but at this point, anyway, like, I just love, like, they do, he, and he does these great intercuts. There's this moment where she sits down and she has poured her lemonade. And they're cutting this with shots of the others in the cabin yeah. also drinking lemonade. I mean, But they're shooting a scene for the movie. Yes, it's a movie bit. But it's so, they're so parallel. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's great. It's fun. I love that scene too. That scene where <laughs> from the farmer's daughter, like that, that's, I, I, I love that he used that. That is such like the perfect classic trope of silly video porn. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Brittany Snow, like. Oh my goodness. I'm afraid we don't own a telephone, but. My daddy will be home soon, and I'm sure he could give you a lift to town. Would you like to come inside? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, but she is fantastic doing it. And I don't want to, like, I was more focused on the women, but Kid Cudi is great. He's really good in this movie. He is, yeah. He's really confident in himself to the point of, like, being cocky. But and aloof, in a way. Yeah, yeah but not unlikable. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I totally liked him. And he and Brittany Snow were, like, a cute couple <laughs> who happened yeah. to shoot pornography together. But anyway, yeah. You, and, and then, so the old lady is talking to... The old lady, again, also played by Mia Goth. So she's playing both roles in this scene. But the old lady, you know, like talks to her and then as she's as they're going out because Mia the Maxine is obviously like okay, weird lady, I, I got to go. Mm-hmm. Um but as they're walking out, the old lady looks at a picture on the wall, it's her wedding picture. Now you can't see it he doesn't angle the camera in such a way that we can see it clearly, but Spoiler alert, it's Mia Goth, because she's playing both <laughs> both roles. Um, but she talks and she says, uh, Howard served in both wars. There wasn't anything he wouldn't do for me back then. Mm. This is the second time I've watched this movie, and I didn't, that 
totally went right by me mm. the first time around. Um, but it's significant. There wasn't anything he wouldn't do for me back then. Um, and she says she was a dancer. And then while Maxine is looking at the pictures, she reaches out and touches Maxine's body, mm. like her, her skin on her abdomen. And Maxine kind of, you know, she's taken aback. She's like, what are you doing? But then Howard comes back and the old lady says, you should, you should leave. It'll be our little secret. And Maxine's yeah. like, what? Like, <laughs> what will be our little secret? I don't know. But then she goes back home and her boyfriend's been looking for her because they're losing the light and she's supposed to film a scene. And before she films the scene, she sits in front of her mirror and she does a bump of Coke, which... She, she has a Coke problem. Yeah, clearly. But she, she does a bump of Coke, and she looks herself dead in the eye and says, I will not accept a life I do not deserve before she gets up and goes out and enthusiastically films her sex scene with Jackson in the barn. Yeah. <laughs> that the old lady comes and watches. Right, but this is intercut with the old woman in the house initially. It was it's intercut with this old woman in the house putting on makeup. Yes. And it even gets literal split screen in this, which is yeah. also kind of a, a very old, you know, people don't do this anymore either unless they're trying to be cute or retro. And at this moment, you see this woman putting on this makeup, and this was the first moment in the movie where I started to really feel for this gal. Because she clearly is pining for her days of youth. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't have to say it. It just becomes very clear. And like you said, she sneaks down and she looks in the window and s watches her riding this guy in this sex scene. And there's some interesting editing here. It's not like we're seeing POV shots. We're either seeing no. shots of the scene or we're seeing shots of the old lady watching, but then in a moment where we're seeing one of the scene, Maxine looks back over her shoulder. Mm -hmm. it, it suggested to me, though I don't think that the film actually confirms it, it suggested to me that she sees the old lady. Yeah. And then in that moment, she becomes like, all of a sudden, it is the old lady yeah. in that sex scene for just like two really short cuts. The implication is almost that the old lady sees herself or imagines herself being there in that moment. I think it's about duality. And I think that that's mm. what ultimately the old lady's motivation is, is that she's pining for her youth she's full of regret well yeah and and at some point later she says you don't deserve i i don't remember um she, but basically what it comes down to is she's jealous but you know what uh, sudden sympathy like at this moment i was like oh my god this movie is really going in a direction i wasn't expecting it seems initially to be setting these two people up as monsters with sinister intentions and then you realize the humanity of this woman in this moment. And it totally changes things, at least for me, from here on out for a while. It's not just a faceless shape going around and killing people. Yeah. Nobody's even died yet. No, well, the very next scene, I believe, is that she's back in her home, the old woman, and she approaches 
the guy, her husband, and she asks him, please. And he says, no, we talked about this. I can't. My heart. She's asking right. him for sex. She Right. She does a little sexy dance for him. Oh, it's so sad. It I, is I, sad. I, I and almost like, cried, you know, at this moment. <laughs> uh, I didn't. Honestly. I didn't almost cry, but I get it. You know, like, I, I'm not 20 something anymore. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't look like I did then. I still think I'm a decent looking guy, but, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, maybe I'm really fatalistic and I often reflect on my God, you know, I am going to be old and, and unable to move around and I know and eventually die someday. And, and more so, you know, I think about it more so than obviously anybody ever does in their youth. And, you know, it, it's a little spooky to think about. And it was very easy for me to put myself in the position of these people. Like, right. Oh my That's what I'm saying. Like, bro, last week I went to the doctor to, like, talk about when I'm going to have my hip replaced. <laughs> like, I, I feel <laughs> you know. it. I feel it. Yeah. And, and that's that's good. Like, it humanizes these people. Now, in saying that, they are also still super creepy. Well, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's it's great. This is the great thing. Is at the core of this movie, it's still a crazy ass horror movie, right? And yeah, so, like, right. He never has pretensions to ultimately trying to make this this point, but it touches on it. it it's it's great. I, I just love the balance that Ty West has here. I know, um, like, oh my god, <laughs> this is going to be a long episode because it is. We're already forty minutes in, and we still have so much we, to talk nobody's about. Nobody's even died yet. <laughs> I know. Then it cuts to this scene where all of the characters, except for the old people, so our whole crew, sit down in the living room at the end of the day. And Lorraine is curious and says, she's like, I, I do have a question. Um, and she says to, uh, she says it to Brittany Snow's character, Bobby Lynn. Isn't it strange watching her doing it with him? It's your business. As long as the camera is running. So the camera changes things. That's right. It's not real life, Rainy. It's just a movie. I know that. Just saying. What about love? What about love? Well, don't y'all believe in it? Of course we believe in love. How can you love someone and still be with other people? You think we don't have no morals or something? Is that it? No, no, I, I, I just... Take it from me. Letting outdated traditions control how you live your life will get you nowhere. I don't know about you, but I got better places to be than where I came from. Amen to that. And besides, it's just sex. You can decide who you want to love, but not who you want to screw. Attraction is out of our control. It ain't healthy keeping those feelings locked away inside. I've seen you sneaking a few long peeks at Jackson over here. No, I, I wasn't okay. looking. You don't mind none. She's right. I don't mind. No offense. Everybody likes sex. It's a gas. But we're just not afraid to admit it. Queer, straight, black, white. <laughs> it's all disco. You know why? Because one day, we're going to be too old to fuck. And life's too short, if you ask me. Roger that. The fact of the truth of the matter is, we turn folks on. And that scares them. And they can't look away neither. That's right. We're like a foxy car wreck. Mm -hmm. 
which is how I know that this new home video market is set to explode. Finally, people are gonna get to see what they desire in the privacy of their own homes. Free of judgment. We're gonna give that to them before anyone else. Or it ain't only gonna be for perverts no more. Oh, toast to the perverts. They've been paying our bills for years. Here, here, to the perverts. To living a lot of access, being young and having fun to the day we die. To the power of independent cinema. To living life on our own terms and never accepting what self-righteous naysayers have to say. Right on. And I just think that it's such an interesting conversation. I, 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 I think that nearly everybody, and I'm going to include myself in that, kind of objectifies sex workers and doesn't think of them as real people. And I think that this movie does a good job of... These are just people. Yeah. They're people doing a job. I don't know. I feel like I'm harping on it, but I just... It, I. Think I find it to be such an interesting element of what should just be a silly horror movie. Yeah. But I, I think it's an important conversation to have, and I'm so glad that Ty West is having it yeah. <laughs> right here in front of us. And it's rooted so much in the context of the film and the era that the story takes place in. You know, this is still part of the free love kind of era where young Americans were becoming more frank about sexuality and starting to question what you might say the more prudish or traditional values of their parents and uh, religion and all that stuff, which, you know, even I raised. I was raised in a way that, like, you don't have sex till you're married. Yes, Todd. Sex is something for married people who love each other very, very much. And in a way, I kind of resent that. <laughs> Todd. <laughs> because... I was going to say the exact same thing. And like, I've been debating, like, do I say this out loud? I was going to say <laughs> the exact same thing. I, like, honestly, the, the, I was raised with such a puritanical view of sex. Yeah. And I kind of resent it too. <laughs> right. Because at this stage in my life, <laughs> looking back, I'm like, damn it. Like, <laughs> God, you I were agree. only gonna you were only gonna be that young and good looking once. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Ah, damn it. <laughs> I know. I know. You know, I didn't even drink till I was twenty one either, and I I also similarly look back on that like all that free booze I missed out on. <laughs> I went to the same parties. I just didn't partake, you know? And uh, and that was a very different way of being. And ultimately, I don't really regret anything. But that being said, I sure wish I was raised with a little more, um, you know, less puritanical values, which, I don't know, we don't really need to get into the nature of sex on this podcast and our personal views on it necessarily. But, right. you know, suffice it to say that my views have changed considerably since then. Same. Now that I'm much older. And the things that they're talking about, I like you said, I appreciate they're having this conversation. I like it. It's very much rooted in the time. And ironically, it's a conversation we need to be having again because it almost seems like things are, uh, uh, I don't want to say like... <laughs> careful. Aggressive. Oh my God, I need to be real careful, right? That, that one guy that gets pissed off at us. Yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah. Screw that guy. <laughs> anyway, and we all have different values, and that's totally fine. Right. But the thing is, let's explore and let's be accepting, well, you know? Well, right. And you, you know, have your ways and 
don't worry about me. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Like, leave, leave me alone. <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> you do your thing. I'll do my thing. It'll be fine. Yeah, I totally understand what you mean. It's a way bigger conversation than we have time <laughs> right, to talk right, about. So to... let's take a musical break. <laughs> Seriously. Now, here at this point in the movie, we have a musical number, like which should... <laughs> be so stupid and out of place but works so well for me. It now, really I does. can understand if somebody else was like, why in the middle of this movie does this person take a moment to sing Landslide? <laughs> but this is also such like a 60s, 70s, hell, even when I was in college, like this is something that college kids do sometimes, right? Like they oh, totally got a guitar and they break oh, it yeah, out absolutely. and everybody's super happy to play it and sing along and it feels all folksy and stuff. Well, and uh, Britney Snow can sing, but it's not like this is, you know, highlighting her musical abilities. It's just exactly what you said. It's sitting around in the living room. Somebody's got a guitar. She sings this song. But Landslide is a great song, and it's it's doing that thing again. It's doing the split screen mm-hmm. between the young people and the old people, particularly the old lady. And the song, Landslide, is largely, I think... Well, I don't know. I, I, Stevie Nicks could tell you what it's about. But yeah, it seems really appropriate. Like one of the lines when it, I, I noticed that when the camera was specifically on the old lady, one of the lines is, can I handle the seasons of my life? Like, I think that that's what it's trying to highlight. <laughs> yeah. These young people are in a particular season of their life. This older lady is in a particular season of her life. And I, uh, again, I think it's just kind of highlighting her regret and whatnot. I liked it. It shouldn't make sense. Yeah. She's back in front of the mirror and she's wiping off her makeup. Yeah. It's sad. It's super sad. I was not expecting this turn. You know, I really wasn't. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just brilliant filmmaking. I was so wrapped up in this story at this point. Me too. (laughs) Then Lorraine... This is such an interesting twist, too. Lorraine says she wants to do a scene, but RJ, her boyfriend, is bothered by it and, like, says outright, no, you can't do that. And Wayne says, whoa, 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 don't get upset. Let's, Let's take this outside. And he takes him outside, and he tells him, look she's going to do it whether you like it or not. And if you try to stop her from doing it, not only is she going to do it now, but she's going to go out and do it again and again and again with who knows who. Like It's kind of like saying, like, this environment is safe. And RJ says, but she's she's different. She's a nice girl, (laughs) which Wayne takes offense to, as he should, should, because the implication is then that Maxine and Bobby Lynn are not nice girls. And he takes offense to that, but he comes up to her, or he, he, he moves up close to RJ's ear and kind of whispers to him, I hate to tell you this, but isn't none of them nice girls? Ah, I just think it's such an, oh, it's... It's just such an interesting take. And that's not to say that I think that he means that as an insult. It's just, I think it's more like your perception of what a nice girl is isn't real. And, you know, these are, 
these are women. <laughs> you know, they're they are sexual beings. Yeah, it exposes RJ's hip- hypocrisy because yeah. earlier on he was the one telling Lorraine, "Don't be such a prude." Lorraine was like, "I don't understand." This was way back earlier in the movie when they were in the van talking about the movie, and and she's the one saying to him, "I'm not sure about this." You know, I'm not sure. Like, why are we making this kind of movie and all that? And he's like, "Don't be a prude." And now that's getting thrown back in his face. It's clear he can't take it. And how interesting is this, right? Oh my god. And also, I felt bad for RJ. I, I mean, again, he's being forced to confront what he was claiming in the beginning that he's an auteur making this movie and you know he's fine filming all these sex scenes with this these this other girl and all this stuff but as soon as his girlfriend wants to be in the mix and has some say and he wants to stop her from it and honestly wayne makes a ton of sense i thought his advice was fantastic in this particular situation and i got gained a lot of respect for him i mean this was the point where i realized yeah wayne is actually a pretty good guy too he's got a good head on his shoulders and so man that was interesting and then of course she does and he films it the next scene i think we have is everyone's asleep it's nighttime RJ is awake. He is taking like a cold shower and he is curling up and crying because he is devastated that he just filmed his girlfriend having sex with this other person. And my God, I felt for RJ too. <laughs> I, no, I did too. And I felt like it was very human. I feel for him because much like him i am not that sexually liberated like right i would like to think in, like objectively in my mind i'm like yeah you know sexual autonomy and all that stuff but if i were in his position where my partner <laughs> wanted to shoot a porn scene with somebody else i would again i would also not handle it well i don't think um so so i totally get it and i do feel bad for him and after he cries, um, he decides that he's he's so upset with them, with all of them, that he's just going to leave. And he's basically like, well, screw them. I get, you know, they can find their own take way home. the whole van. <laughs> yeah. But dick. he gets in the van, and as he's going to leave, the old lady is in the driveway, like in, in the headlights. And on the radio is playing Don't Fear the Reaper, <laughs> which is so good. And, like, he gets out. This is the first of several times that this happens. All of their, because they're decent people, their initial instinct is always to help this woman. Mm-hmm. They, they, they believe that she's in distress, which she is. I mean, she, she seems like, what is she, what is this old lady doing standing out doors in her nightgown in the middle of the mm-hmm. night for no reason? So he goes and like offers to help her back into the house and she embraces him and like moans and tries to kiss him. And when he pushes her away, she stabs him in the neck. Yes. And then he <laughs> falls to the ground, grasping at his neck. She straddles him and then continues mm. to stab him repeatedly. And blood sprays all over the headlights. The headlights are lighting the scene. So when the blood sprays, then everything is just lit in blood red as she continues to ravage him. Oh, yeah. man. It's wild. And I mean, the sexual overtones here are bald. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're. They're clear as day. I mean, she's straddling him like earlier. The Maxine was straddling the other person. Of course, always the stabbing and the repeated stabbing. And then she gets up and uh, does this little dance. Mm -hmm. 
in the red headlights like she is in her world and she is happy and so that's when you know yeah she's crazy <laughs> right 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 and she takes the keys and then lorraine wakes up and and realizes that rj is gone and she's worried she thinks that maybe she's upset him and she tells wayne and wayne goes looking for him in the barn <laughs> wayne in his little briefs that that was kind of funny <laughs> to me like just strutting around in these tidy little briefs <laughs> i mean i guess in 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 their industry modesty isn't really all that important. Um, Lorraine goes up to the house and she finds Howard, the old man, looking for his wife. Meanwhile, back in the barn, Wayne steps on a nail, oh, which God. was the most uncomfortable scene of the whole movie for me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, you see the nail, you see him walking you know towards it, happen. and oh my God, his foot just goes all the way down on it and then it's sticking out of a little piece of board and that board has just nailed his foot Ah! and he has to pull it out and then I think he hears something and he goes to the far end of the barn and looks through holes in the in the wall there are like three holes almost deliberately drilled there in the wall which raised some questions for me yeah Yeah, I don't know but he gets pitchforks through the eye. <laughs> it's so Fulci. It is like it's direct Fulci, ripoff yeah. of, from Zombie. Yeah. But interestingly enough, again, Ty West, he's, he's cool. He gets pitchforked in the eye real fast from the side view. And then Amelia goes back to the other two as they're looking for... The man asks the girl to go down to the basement. And so she goes in the basement. And of course, we're a little nervous about this because we saw the beginning of the movie. We know there's something freaky in the basement, or at least there mm-hmm, will be. We're not sure mm-hmm. what. Uh, and then, I don't know if I've ever seen this in a horror movie we've done before. It comes back to the kill. Like, it left us in the middle of the kill. It comes back to where it just left us, where we see him impaled and this pit, what is it? It's actually a pitchfork, gets pulled out of his face and his eye drops and he falls to the ground. As he falls to the ground, the woman comes inside with her pitchfork very slowly, pokes and prods at the body to kind of make sure it's dead, and then uses the pitchfork to start putting a little bit of hay on top of him. Mm-hmm. And th- the whole thing that was going through my head was, was this all like a setup? Because they've put holes in the back wall that are perfectly spaced for this three-pronged f- pitchfork. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was just a coincidence. Really? <laughs> yeah. Three holes exist in the back that this pitchfork fit fit through perfectly. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we're back. We're back to Lorraine locked in the cellar because he lured mm-hmm. her down there. He told her to go find a flashlight down there, which she did. But then he locked her down there, and so she's now looking around. And she, I don't remember if we see what she sees at the same time that she does but uh, the the cover image uh, of this movie is Jenna Ortega screaming um, and this is why because down in the basement she finds a, a man a man's corpse strung up like chained to the wall in the basement with his pants down around his ankles which implies to me that that old lady was like uh, what did yep. they like kidnap him and she was like him. messing with it so gross um and then i don't know if you noticed this but <laughs> the very next scene is jackson taking a carton of milk out of the refrigerator mm. and that man is on the 
milk carton. <laughs> yep, I did notice that actually. I didn't yeah. notice it the first time. I only like <laughs> I only noticed it this time. But as soon like you, they cuts away from the dead guy to him taking out the milk carton, and there's a guy on there. I'm like, oh, that's convenient. <laughs> um, but uh, Howard kind of comes up to the house, and Jackson is the only one awake there, and he offers to help him look for his wife while totally naked this was a whole <laughs> this just felt like a funny joke to like yeah. his dong is like hanging down in the like, you like can actually see it in knees. shadow it's so funny yeah it's hilarious yeah. um but jackson's a he's a good guy like well, he's, he's also a, a vet He's a veteran, too. And so, like, he wants to help out his fellow veteran. Mm-hmm. And he's going to help him look for his wife. And he does. And, like, they, they go down to where the pond is. And, and Jackson says, you know, it's kind of heavy artillery for looking for your wife because the Howard has a shotgun. And he's like, well, that's for alligators. Uh, I, I found her down by the pond before. So they go looking for her her down at the pond and Jackson like is legit looking for her but then they don't find him and meanwhile back at the house the old lady gets naked and gets in bed with Maxine and is caressing her um, yeah. which is disgusting but then Jackson finds the old man again and he's like I couldn't find your wife and Howard's like you're just the same as the last guy prancing around enticing my wife and then he shoots him. Now again, like these, these old people, there's there's reason. It's crazy, of course, but there is reason behind what they're doing. He's angry. Mm-hmm. He told them. He told them to be discreet. If if they had been discreet and had not enticed his wife, maybe they would have been left alone. But uh, I still like. I hated that. I knew. I knew Jackson was going to get killed. There was no question in my mind. Yeah. Um, but it's still, I hated it. Max wakes up. The old lady's in bed with her. So she, I, I, I call her Max because we're friends. Maxine wakes <laughs> up <laughs> and screams because that old la- naked lady is in bed with her. And that wakes up Bobby Lynn, who gets up to see the old lady, like, fleeing the house naked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Maxine's got to snort some coke to continue to (laughs) deal with this situation. In the meantime, Lorraine's in the basement. She's gotten a hatchet. I got to step in here, too, and talk about the sound design a little bit. There is a very interesting score that includes sort of moaning sounds and, like, Almost in the beginning, right, it, it becomes more sexual as the movie progresses. Yeah. I, I feel like in the beginning, in the opening scenes, it's, I mean, I guess you could play for comparison, but like in the beginning, it's just like, <laughs> ah, ah, like just like yeah. kind of like sighing. Um, but then as the movie progresses, it becomes much more sexual in nature. And it's interesting. Well, um, Lorraine is back there, and she's trying to uh, hack through the door, which she does. She hacks through the wrong side of the door, honestly, uh, and reaches through and tries to open the lock. And there's this crazy jump scare as this guy is back at the house now, and he smashes her hand brutally with the butt of his of his shotgun. Uh, r- shotgun, and her fingers are just mangled, broken. Yeah, that was oh, bad. It's horrible. Bobby Lynn tries to help the old lady. The old lady has walked out to the dock 
um, mm-hmm. and is standing there naked. Bobby Lynn is kind to her and says, I understand. My grandma used to get confused, too. Uh, I There was even a time when I wanted to be a nurse. Like, she's being so kind. And the old lady, like, calls her a whore. Yeah, what have you ever done except be a whore? You don't deserve to flaunt it in my face the way you do. And pushes her into the water and... And then, the alligator. <laughs> suddenly the alligator takes her out. That is so fast and so sudden that I jumped. I just, knew. No, I knew it. I knew I that knew she was going to feed her to the alligator. I knew it would happen, <laughs> but I didn't think it would happen that quickly and that suddenly. It, it did shock me. Holy shit. It's, I was a, it's funny. I, I, I don't think I would have noticed this. I read about it. Like Almost all of the deaths are foreshadowed in some way. When they walk out of the strip club at the beginning, the, the whole front facade of the strip club is this huge mural, um, and central to it is a, a blonde woman um, in a bikini, and an alligator is pulling at the bottom of her bikini, which foreshadows this death. And and I read, you know, there are specific things that foreshadow lots of the other deaths, too. I don't think I ever would have picked up on it, but mm. clearly some thought was put into that. <laughs> um, Max back at the house, the old, both the old people are headed back to the house so max hides under the bed <laughs> and then the old people have sex in the bed and it's so oh my God. gross it's so gross but it's also hilarious again i love the balance this movie at you know just when it's getting intense is throwing kind of a joke at us like kind of a funny scene i just love it yeah so she's under the bed she can hardly move because this thing is is coming down, coming right down on her but she tries to sneak out and she does she kind of crawls across the floor also, I have to say, like, the sex scene, once again, brought back a little bit of, I don't know, is it right for me to say tenderness? Because you know these people are monsters, right, by what they're actually doing. But she sits down and she says to him, she says, tell me, I'm special. Yeah. You know? And he says, it's of course sad. you are. You're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Tell me I'm yours, that you still want me. And he starts feeling on her breasts and taking her shirt off and he's like what if my heart can't take it but but they do it i don't know i again uh not to get too philosophical but you know old people have sex too i know know? and when i'm when i'm super super old i'll probably think it's less gross i hope so anyway (laughs) (laughs) i know uh yeah whatever all right so they do it gross all right um She makes it out. She should have grabbed the shotgun, but she didn't. Like, the old woman also talks about, like, he asks her if uh, Bobby Lynn, she's like, you know, I fed it to the alligator or whatever. She's like, was she the one? She's like, no, I don't like blondes. I like that other one. She's like me. She's talking about um, Maxine. Maxine. uh, That one has something special like I did. Now I I read a bunch of stuff about this, and almost every movie that, or almost everything that I've read says that the title is a reference to the X rating, which I'm sure that it is. You know, the when especially when porn you know started becoming more mass marketed, then that's where the X rating came from. There's a whole history there that you can read about. It's kind of boring, but I understand <laughs> that that's um, where the title draws its inspiration from. But I also think that it's not just that. You're thinking X chromosome? No, no. The 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 producer, whatever his name was, 
said to Maxine several times, you've got that thing. You've got that something special. You've got that X factor. True. That's got to be intentional. I, I, it, it, this old lady sees something special in Maxine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that it's any coincidence that Maxine has the letter X in it. Um, there's something special about her. Yeah. Which I will be really interested to see if it w- is explored further in the sequel, which hasn't come out yet, but I'm excited about it. We'll talk about it later. So, but anyway, she crawls out. Maxine crawls out. She runs for the van, but the tires are slashed and the keys aren't in it. But she, she does get a gun out of the glove box. And if you've been paying attention, you already know this gun is not loaded. Right. Because earlier in the movie, when the old man threatened uh, Wayne with his shotgun and eventually put it away, and Wayne was like, oh, you really scared me, the old man said... Well, it's not loaded anyway. Just brandishing it is enough to pretty much do the job. And Wayne said, oh, yeah, I understand. I've got the same thing with a gun in my glove box. Right, so. right, right. So she, Maxine lets Lorraine out of the basement. Lorraine is freaking out, and she runs out the door, <laughs> and Howard shoots her uh, so in the head, bad. in the face. <laughs> she flops down. Again, happens so So fast. fast. To a girl that I thought was going to be, I didn't think she was going to be a final, the the final girl, but I sure thought she was going to last till the end. That one caught me off guard. I oh, didn't, th- I didn't think that she was going to make it, but the yeah, I, it it caught me off guard. She's dead, and then, um, but Howard and Pearl, he finally calls her Pearl at this point. Up until now, she hasn't had a name, but Howard and Pearl are talking, and they're talking about how you know they've got to stage it so it looks like it was. Um, self-defense in case the police come. Pearl doesn't even think that the police will come. She doesn't think anybody will even know these people are missing. They're dragging the body in. They're dragging the body in. Maxine pops out with the gun and it's, yeah. <laughs> this, this is so funny. Like, does she try to shoot them? That I, The way that Howard dies is hilarious to me. Yeah. He just has a heart attack. Because they're dragging Lorraine's body in, but she's not quite dead, so she, like, flops, and that scares him, and he has a heart attack and drops dead. Yeah. So funny. And then uh, Maxine exposes herself, and Pearl is like, you have to help him. He's having a heart attack. Like, (laughs) like I care, crazy lady. (laughs) Maxine pulls the trigger on her gun, but it's empty. Pearl picks up the shotgun which is loaded and <laughs> fires at Maxine misses cuz Maxine dodges behind but it but the kick of it launches her out the door yeah. and off the porch it backfires basically yeah and at the same time that screen of the preacher on television which we have been seeing constantly throughout all of this says now that's what i call divine intervention <laughs> <laughs> And then Maxine walks outside. The old woman is still alive, but she's on the ground and she's complaining about her hip. (laughs) Oh, God. I love this. Right. But then when um, Maxine is obviously not going to help her and and is getting into the van, Pearl says to her, we're the same. You'll end up just like me. And Maxine says, I'm nothing like you. You're a kidnapping, murdering sex fiend. I'm a (laughs) star the whole world's gonna know my name i will not accept a life i do not deserve (laughs) oh i love that 
I love that. <laughs> Pearl says, you're not special. It'll all be taken from you just like it was for me. I'll tell the whole world what you are. And Maxine, behind the wheel of the van, says, it'll be our little secret, which is what Pearl said to her before. Yeah. And now she says it and then runs over her head with the van. I love it. <laughs> Crushes her off. head. Yeah, does a bump, does a bump of coke. Does a bump of coke while she's driving. Drives away. <laughs> but then it cuts back to the TV and the televangelist. I didn't see this coming, but you do hear the televangelist say something like I will not accept a life I do not deserve. You hear him say that, which we know we've heard Maxine say before. And then he says, the the preacher's like, I'm going to show you something. And he pulls a, a sheet off of this giant photograph. And it's a picture of Maxine as a younger girl. And he says, this is my daughter. But she fell into darkness or whatever and i just hope and pray that someday she'll be back so all the while maxine has been this televangelist's daughter yeah uh so interesting i know but i'm not sure that was necessary i don't know i i, I there's a there's a third movie right so pearl is a prequel there's a third movie called maxine which is supposed to take place after this one i do wonder if that will be explored more like her background because I I was really puzzled by that reveal. You know, why was that a necessary... I think just kind of to show where she came from, like I that guess. really kind of repressed, uh, puritanical... But it's such a coincidence, right? That this preacher everyone's been watching on TV happens to be her dad. Right. I, I... And, and <laughs> obviously, you know... <laughs> She knows that, but she never. There's never any indication. She never says that, anything. No, yeah. um, I I will be interested to see if it's explored in the sequel too. But I think that this movie was intended. Now, of course, I don't know. I I you know I'd call up Ty West if I couldn't ask him. I don't know, but. I, I think that this movie was intended to just be a one-off, mm-hmm. and then they they had to quarantine in order to be able to film it. While in quarantine, Ty West and Mia Goth were just talking and exploring the old lady's backstory mm-hmm. because Mia Goth was going to be playing the old lady. They were just exploring her backstory and they got so involved with it that that backstory became a script. And Ty West asked Mia Goth, you know, when we're done filming this movie, do you want to hang around? I don't remember where they filmed. I want to say like New Zealand or something. Do you yeah. want to hang around and film? this prequel and she was like absolutely so i have no idea if a sequel was ever intended right and and so i don't know how much of it will tie in because the 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 prequel wasn't intended it just spontaneously happened and it's fantastic and i can't wait to talk about it it's so good i can't wait either i haven't seen it yet well i would say i would say and and we'll see whether or not you agree with me i would say that the that Pearl is better than this movie, and I read a critique that said that Pearl inadvertently makes this movie better mm. because when you know the backstory, it adds so much context to this movie. Interesting. It's it's so good, and I'm so excited to talk about it. The, real quick, at the, the 
it cuts back uh, the movie yes. then it bookends itself we get you know the cops at the scene as we saw in the very beginning and they're looking around they have no idea what's going on um, but one of them finds a camera and one of the deputies says what do you think's on it and the sheriff says well by the looks of everything I'd say one goddamn f- up horror picture boom cut to credits like (laughs) oh so clever i love it i love it love it love it ty west just you know giving himself a little pat on the back there right at the end i'd say one goddamn up horror picture (laughs) (laughs) oh man i just i can't fault this movie at all i just i thought it was great every minute of it it was so intriguing the pacing was so good. The filmmaking, just so good. The characters and the acting, so good. The story had me the whole time, even though it it's not that fresh, I guess. I mean, at its core. But boy, there were enough elements to freshen this up. And yet it still called back to those 70s horror movies that I liked without making a big deal out of it yeah just very understated in moments and in other places just very obvious you know what he was doing and i I just thought it was great i just thought the balance was fantastic and i'm so happy to see it and you've raised my expectations for pearl because the whole reason we're doing this movie now is so that we can do pearl next week i know because i watched (laughs) it i and i will obviously talk about it in depth uh next week but i watched it and was just blown away. I like this movie a lot. If you couldn't tell, you know, based on the fact that we've been talking about it for an hour and a half, (laughs) I like this movie a lot. It's been on our radar for a really, really long time. Um, We just hadn't gotten around to it. And then a couple of weeks ago, I saw Pearl, and I texted you, I'm like, that is the best movie that I've seen in a long time. Not the best horror movie alone, the best movie I've seen in a long time. that's high praise. It is. And I think that just even going back to this movie, I just think that Ty West is really, really talented. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's a really good filmmaker and a good storyteller. He wrote this movie and he wrote Pearl. That, That really impresses me because... You know, there there are really talented directors out there. There are really talented writers out there. There aren't a lot of people who can do both so skillfully. Mm-hmm. And, and to be so good in, in both capacities is rare and impressive. I can't wait to talk about Pearl with you next week. And I anything that this guy puts out, I'm going to take a look at because he hasn't disappointed me yet. Same here. Well, thank you again for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. Please let us know what you thought of X if you've seen Pearl. No spoilers, though, because I haven't seen it yet. Just drop us a line on any one of our online homes. We have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter feed. We have Instagram. Uh, Just Google Two Guys in a Chainsaw Podcast. Also, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash chainsaw podcast. Please consider supporting us on the show, and you'll get some behind-the-scenes access and help us select movies, access to our mini-sodes, interview with us, uh, and help us select uh, what we're going to do in the future. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs>